Hey, what's going on, people? This is Donald Robinson, your co-host of the Black Codes Podcast, here with the intelligent, cool cat, Savannah Bryant. Hi. So, welcome to the first episode of our podcast. We are going to have some fun. Um, You're going to get to know us a good bit. We're going to introduce you to some very interesting aspects of history with our awesome historian, Savannah, here. And we will um, make sure this is a good ride for you. We'll try our best. (laughs) (laughs) So um, part of trying our best is we got a couple of nice brews here. They have this uh, really nice brewery, not brewery, it's an alcohol store, liquor store, called Off the Rocks down here. And so I, you know, I'm trying to get more culture here with alcohol. And so what I got here is a stout. Now, I'm I'm a dark liquor drinker. I'm a dark beer drinker. So I have a... Stout here, vanilla brandy barrel aged, the big bad Baptist. So um, that's what I'm drinking. What you got over there? I have a random sake. It's called Enter Sake Black. I literally only picked it up because I thought the jar that it was sold in is really cool. And I'm going to use it as a little um, flower vase. So. This is one of the smallest alcohol containers I've ever seen. <laughs> it's a single serving jar, I guess. Single serving. I mean, okay, I could see that. Like, this is, if you pour it into a wine glass, it's going to fill that up. Mm-hmm. But um, I tasted it, and it's like, you know, sake, Japanese. It's actually uh, 65% rice polishing, whatever that means. There's a lot of rice in it. And it's fermented rice. Thank so you, it's, it's fermented like rice. rice. wine Oh, wine rice. Yeah. I didn't know you can make wine out of rice. Well, if you're thinking about wine in a very rigid way, you, I guess you can't. But just the act of like fermenting something and it becoming, it, it's slowly having these like alcoholic, uh, the percentage goes up because of the fermentation process. Yeah. And it being, well, I guess rice is more closer to a grain. Rice and is, like, I think it's a grain, actually. Yeah, but it's not beer, so I also don't really know what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, like, have done no research on sake at all. I hey, grab, I just know sake had, is Japanese alcohol. Yeah, I've had it a few times. It is a very interesting flavor, but the jar was really, really cool, so. This bottle is pretty dope. They got this Greek guy on here rare release and it looks like my man's just kind of ran out like if you look on here it's like he's peeking in there to see like how much beer do i have left in there (laughs) (laughs) but it's actually one of these really large bottles um it's good though it has like a almost sweetness to it but Mm -hmm. it's strong but it goes down smooth so Mm -hmm. um yeah this is a pretty good uh stout i'm trying to increase my palate because i'm pretty basic sometimes when it comes (laughs) to drinks i don't drink that much and I do like Modelo's. I like Mexican beers, and I'll do like Sam Adams, mm-hmm. um, Heineken's, but mostly like Sam Adams is my thing. But that's like on tap if I go somewhere because I just know I like it, not because it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Sam Adams on tap, you fancy bitch, you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was qualified as fancy, it's, but I'm being facetious. I'll take it. Okay. Oh, damn. I was over here trying to take a compliment and I was getting <laughs> shit talked to me. So uh, one other thing I want to share on the podcast is 
um, different shirts that I'm wearing when I record this. And so today I am wearing this um, tank top, this cutoff I got. So shout out to One Hood Media in Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, That's the city where I'm from. They do a lot of uh, media and arts education and they do a lot of activism work. And they are actually one of the big supporters uh, for a lot of the protests going on in Pittsburgh right now. But there's like this white tank top with the gold letters and got the muscle ministry on. So uh, it's comfy and I like it. Um, so throughout the episodes, I'll be sharing, you know, different articles of clothing. And um, some of them have a lot of storyline behind how I acquired them and uh, generally have a lot of relevancy. So we are going to talk about, in this first episode, wet nursing. Now, we are in a series and this series is about the white gaze. You may ask yourself, well, what's the white gaze? You might already ask yourself, what's a wet nurse? Because, like, you know, I go to the hospital, like, see a nurse, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what does it mean she's wet? Like, is a, does she get, like, water fountain spray on her or something? Um, so we're going to explain what a wet nurse is. Put your Google down. Don't tell Siri to do anything. Hopefully Siri didn't just yell in, my, in this room right here because she'd just be hearing stuff. I think her name, and she's like, Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, chill out, bro. But, um, so, the white gaze. Now, the way I describe the white gaze is the worldview that flows through a very white perspective of the world. And so this goes into, you know, when it comes to the black codes, looking at how white people view black people and the legacy of how that is, but also the uh, government structure of how they, you know, as a consensus can view things, how people navigate in a country that is, you know, controlled by white people. It was built by white, not built by white people, but it was structured, I should say, by white people mm-hmm. for white people. And so in this country, it was not intended for non-whites to uh, be of any significant population here, to have any significant rights. And so that creates a legacy of a worldview that is the white gaze. And there's a lot of different microcosms that this comes in that we will be covering in this series from our topic on wet nursing today, taking it back to slave auctions and looking at the view of black men in this country. And so these will be what we're going to roll out first in this understanding of the white gaze. And so uh, that's how I look at it. That's, you know, a definition of it. Um, And so we're going to talk today about wet nursing. And so wet nurses, like I said, don't Google it. We're about to tell you right now. So let's talk about what that is and, you know, how that has implications for today and and some of the the very real things that go on with black women today and, you know, with babies and, you know, a variety of other things. So, yeah, so... August is actually Breastfeeding Awareness Month. Um, And there's all this push for breastfeeding and women's rights and how as a nation, as a society, we're slowly starting to move out of some of the old like patriarchal system. Um, Women still have quite a journey to go in terms of equality. And part of that is thinking about the fact that I can be a full-time mom or 
decide to be a mother and work or decide to be a mother and be a stay-at-home mother and dedicate my life to my child in that way and I want to breastfeed and there are there are states there are companies that make it really difficult for women to be able to do that and it's very interesting when you think that it is literally the way it's the most healthy way to feed a baby you know to make ensure they grow up have the build it, it boosts their immune system there's so many benefits to it yet it's so difficult and it's treated as this thing that's like kind of nasty and should be pushed away in the corners and as negative as the feelings are around it Black women have a very interesting relationship with breastfeeding. In this country, I think it's about mid-60% of black women that were surveyed in a, a survey that the CDC conducted, breastfed, compared to like 85% of white women. And obviously, we're not talking about the whole scale of white and black women. We're just talking about a sample, like a survey. And some of the reasons why it tends to be, why you see such a big gap is maybe they didn't have a lactation specialist that really cared to go through all of this information. They maybe didn't have the information or the means to inform themselves on their own. Or maybe they have to go back to work you know, rather quickly. And so they just don't have the ability to continue to breastfeed their baby long-term. There's also this idea that it's literally this, the, the title of the article was um, that slavery crap, which was just the censored version of that slavery shit. And that's why I don't do it. Wait, what? Yeah. You want to, can that slavery crap. So, yeah. like, this was an attitude that was carried mm-hmm. about breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite a stance for somebody to take to say, I'm not going to breastfeed because mm-hmm. of slavery. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. It's very interesting. And <laughs> so I just have a few, I thought, how we could do this. Because you know a little bit about breastfeeding. But you're a man. You don't have a partner that has been breastfeeding. You have a, an adult sister that has had two kids since you've been, I guess, able to ask questions and shit. Yeah. But I don't know how much you know about <laughs> breastfeeding. I mean, I know anatomy. I, I, I understand what, what happens. Yeah. You know, I'm not, like, intimate with it, obviously. Yeah, neither am I. <laughs> but, you know, that understanding you... The, so the baby latches on, and actually, like, latching is, like, sometimes an issue. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, you know, throughout the process of pregnancy and having a child, women, you know, start producing milk. Mm-hmm. And so this is her nutrients that get fed to the baby. And, you know, that wouldn't biologically happen if it wasn't supposed to. Right. Every other mammal... In nature, breastfeeds their Offspring. children. Yeah. And so, you know, we're mammals as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we do. But this is actually not what we always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are notes that early on when 
white European males were going into Africa, they were literally taking notations on the black women. Like, these bodies are prime for... for reproduction you know like in terms of of the body that you need to have to mass produce children the black woman this black woman african woman is it so here we go starting out and these europeans go into africa and are like oh my god look baby producing factories look Look at at those those hips look at them boobs it's like hips don't lie, and I don't know any good songs that talk about boobs, but goddamn, they were like, yo, baby-making factories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they brought those slaves over. Like, that was something that they, you know, judged in these, you know, the industry of slavery. The industry of slavery, just like the industry of tech, the industry of electronics, and the industry of fitness, and the industry of pharmaceuticals. The industry of slavery mm-hmm. plays value in saying, like, yo, they could make babies. They could nurture babies, importantly. Yeah, because humans are the tools. So here are these women that can produce more tools for us. And because they're built for childbirth and for breastfeeding, they can reproduce even more that will probably make it to adulthood. That's an issue where a lot of European and and white American families, a lot of their children aren't making it to adulthood. And one of the interesting facts is they look down on breastfeeding. It's looked at as this like low class, dirty thing, but their children are dying so once they realize oh the slaves they're breastfeeding their kids and their kids are ending up healthy okay so we need to get in on that well that's where our wet nurses come in that's exact cue in the wet nurses so the wet nurses come to the game they are the star pitcher now and so like you know What's the wet nurse? What do they do? What's their role? So I should preface this by saying that black enslaved women weren't the first wet nurse. Like this idea has been around literally for centuries. Having a maid or someone else assist in breastfeeding. Um, They had indentured servants doing it in America. But you have a mark. You have like almost equal amount of women on a plantation it's like free game in terms of what can we make these people do for us to make our lives easier to to meet our needs so we can live the type of life we want we could put all of the stress and all of the hard work all the manual labor on these people and so that's one of the things that happens so I have a few true or false questions I want to ask you Uh, just because as I was kind of going through this information there were things that I didn't know there were things that I knew there were things that I guess I never really connected and just in terms of keeping a straight line to really understand the history and how and how these attitudes can, can continue to manifest we have to kind of dig out 
and weed out the foundation and really look at that. Okay. So my first question for you is, black women can tolerate more pain and perform hard manual labor because they can withstand childbirth and breastfeeding. My mom was a strong black woman. I know all these strong black women in my life. I'm going to go ahead and say true, Captain. So it's true that this was a, a real common belief. And was or is? It's a, it, well, yes. <laughs> it is a common belief that was pushed, and it is, it's what literally lays the groundwork to ignore black women's cries for help, especially when they're, it's related to their physical well-being, um, which is ironic because black women have, I think, like, the highest mortality rate in terms of, like, childbirth. Like, black women die during or right after childbirth at a very alarming rate and or they're losing babies and a lot of the times it's because they're they've talked to their doctors and they're not being taken seriously it's like you're complaining about pain okay you must be exaggerating which doesn't make any sense because if you believe that I have a high pain tolerance and I'm coming to you to complain about pain, then I must really be in pain. Yeah, like that literally doesn't make sense. Actually. It makes no sense at all. Like, I don't know, point A to point B, it just like doesn't connect. I don't get it. But yeah, so that's not factual, but it is true that it was a common belief and, and it helped reinforce this idea of what black women's bodies can endure and what you can put them through. So. Hmm. So it's actually false. Yeah. You know, pain tolerances are very personal things. Mm-hmm. I have friends who have pretty high pain tolerances. I have friends who like a paper plate hits them too hard. I'm like, yo, <laughs> ow, that hurt. Or, oh my God, what did you do? I was like, I blew on... the fan blew on you too hard sorry Mm -hmm. and they're like in pain this stuff is you know very personal it's not related to culture ethnicity um or even gender because uh yeah women be taking these hot showers and i don't get it but like we'll go out and play football and just have people run into us running like 10 miles an hour and be like yo bro this is fun yeah i guess i should just to really clarify this idea that just because someone can withstand childbirth and they breastfeed which is how they're able to have so many surviving children does not mean it's open season to now have them doing like backbreaking work that's the that's the part that's like mm, no even if someone is physically strong i've never given birth but from what i have seen and what i've heard does not sound like a fun time at all that does take like strength and endurance to get through it it is something that women have been enduring literally for thousands of years But just because we are the ones that have to give birth does not mean I now can go pull a 10-hour backbreaking, like, like work schedule in the fucking cotton fields. It's it's not the same thing. All right. Just gave birth. We're going to go and build a new log cabin. You know what? We're going to build a new wheelbarrow. (laughs) 
or a new um, what are those the um, the daggone things that they the horse <laughs> carriages like all right you know just gave birth at two got an appointment to build a horse <laughs> carriage at four like all right we're good I remember when I used to work in physical therapy and people would come out of knee surgery and they'd come to physical therapy like the next day I'm just like. You know, okay, that made sense. Like, let's do some knee extensions for 20 mm-hmm. minutes, and then you go back to your room. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, let's give birth, and let's go pick cotton for five hours right after. Yeah. Or go do whatever sort of extraneous thing, even three days later. Like, when my sister had my niece or my nephew, like, she was in the hospital for, like, four days. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, nope, go back to work. She didn't have to go back to work for weeks. And they're mm-hmm. like, and even when she had to go back to work, I was like, they're making you go back to work already? Mm-hmm. Like, it was like six, seven, eight, nine weeks or whatever. And, you know, they're like, nope, uh, you gave birth on Monday. Yeah, if you're not coming back Monday, I'll see you Tuesday after lunch. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so I just, I think that's such a, it's just because it follows no logic. It's like, stick to a lie. Like, y'all just be saying anything. <laughs> y'all literally just be getting off any little, anything that you can, that you can try. And if it latches on somewhere, you just really run with it. <sighs> anyway, so the next question. Roughly one sixteenth of all white women in the South had a black woman working as a wet nurse. One sixteenth, so hmm, true or false. I'm gonna go ahead and say true because one out of sixteen is still a pretty large number of people. Yeah. And that was a pretty common thing because if you want to feel classy and bougie, mm-hmm. you don't want to breastfeed your baby back then. Mm-hmm. So that's actually false. They estimate about one out of five white women actually had a wet nurse. So that's roughly like 70,000 black women that were in, in I was going to say employed, whoa, <laughs> enslaved. <laughs> As a this wet is not nurse. the state of Texas. Um, however, there is actually no real way to quantify that number. We have that data via journals, diaries, um, letters that were left behind by white women that could actually read and write because it's not like every white woman was able to do that. And we also have stories of wet nurses from a, well, the slave narrative collection. So FDR kind of launched the Works Progress Administration in the 30s. And one of the, they did a bunch of shit. So a lot of like the railroads, like um, historical monuments and buildings that we have were either built or restored during this project. And it gave a bunch of people jobs, but that is even a whole other thing in and of itself. But one of the other um projects that came out of the WPA is this slave narrative collection and they basically had people go through the south and interview ex-slaves so that's how we get some of this information however by the time this happens in the 30 only 16 percent of the interviewees were over the age of 15 when slavery ended so some of them were just far too young and they just they wouldn't have known what wet nursing was or had conversations about that with their, you know, with their mom. So, well, that's only in the slave sense because wet nursing yeah. did not stop at the end of slavery. It was just, no. it, it turned into just paying people pennies 
and to do the job and yeah abandoning their children but for, in terms of trying to quantify like how many ga- gallons of breast milk <laughs> uh, was spilled on the mouths of like ungrateful white children that would end up being kind of reinforcing the slave well, narrative like they sell the per- the woman that you know mm-hmm. new stem as children. how many gal- gallons of milk you know was drank it's an interesting question so yeah one sixteenth is false it's one out of five and that's just based off of what we know that's wild so think about when you go back outside you know if this was just 150 years ago which is not that long people um you know human existence is civilized humans have been around for about almost 10,000 years Mm -hmm. 150 years is you know 0.01% or something like that. So, you know, one out of every five white women you're going to come across tomorrow, if this were 150 years ago, would have a black woman forcibly breastfeeding their child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So my next question for you is babies were born, babies who were born in slavery would breastfeed longer to ensure their physical strength. Well, that would make sense to be true because if you want your slaves to be strong and you want them to be able to produce good work, you'd want them well-nursed and well-taken care of and, you know, to be brought up well to be able to do the work, right? Yeah, no, it's that's false. Um, generally, black infants would be, if they were breastfed, would be breastfed for about six months was kind of like the average. And um, the average for a small white child or, you know, the like the plantation owner's child getting breastfed, the average was like two years. So think about that. Wow. Six months versus two years. Yeah. That's like what? Um, That's like 300 percent longer. Mm -hmm. Especially when you think about during that time, how much you're developing. Yeah. Wow, like my nephew's over a year old and he still gets breastfed. Mm-hmm. And trying to imagine like him not being breastfed like six, eight, nine months ago, however, you know, how many months ago that would have been, like that's terrible for the development. Mm-hmm. So black wet nurses were able to nurse their baby and their master's baby together. Do you think that's true or false? I'm going to say that that was true. So (laughs) there are cases where it's both true and false, but overwhelmingly it's false. Many times the the wet nurse, the black woman who was working as a wet nurse, her baby would maybe get um, nursed by one of the in-house wet nurses for the actual slaves or would be given like cow milk and water. And I want to preface this by saying even today, like cow milk isn't safe for um, babies, and granted, there's not all the hormones, but we're talking about 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century water. Water was a huge, it, it's, I mean, it's still an issue today in the States. Flint is still having issues, but clean access to clean water was still very much an issue during this time. So they're feeding their babies 
while they're trying to develop an immune system, cow's milk and water. So if you put two and two together, it doesn't sound like it's faring well. It's basically, they're feeding bull and shit. Exactly. Yes. And in some cases where the black woman was able to continue nursing their child, it just may not have been, it may have only been in the day. Because usually what would happen, there are a lot of instances where they would take the, the woman, the enslaved black woman, from her house and move her into the house. So not only is she wet nursing, she's basically caring for this baby around the clock. So the mother isn't being woken up at 3 a.m. when the baby starts crying and it's hungry. So they didn't go through the regular mamahood trial traumas that all my no, mom no, friends no, no, talk no. about having to deal with. And they have to just sleep through the night. And probably one of the mo- the craziest instances of them um, maybe being breastfed together but not, in some cases, masters would allow the their uh, wet nurse to nurse their child, but like the left titty was exclusively for the white child. Like, no black baby could use that titty at all. That was the white titty. Look, left titties, white only. It's like the water yeah. fountains from, like, the 20th century. But the it's all coming seats, from... But it's like, oh, this black woman's titty, this is for my, this is for my Johnny right here. Yeah. No one else can use it. Just, it's like, makes no sense. What are y'all doing? <laughs> Like, the milk's getting produced by the same body. What do you think, ha- like, when she washes her breasts off, does it, like, is it not clean anymore? Like, is it, what? what's the logic between claiming something? Like? I mean, that's a great question, Donald. Like, um, did no one go to bed at night and think, that was dumb as hell? Yeah, like, yo, I really got that off. <laughs> I really said that shit, and they just was like, oh, yeah. That makes sense. They had little family dinners that'd be funny as hell. Like, yo, and then I said, Johnny can only use the left titty. And I just kept doing it. Like, this is probably one of those things that you like they passed down to their daughter. Like, you know, the left titty of a black woman mm-hmm. is the best titty to use to raise your son. Mm-hmm. So when you have your son in what in, in another month, make sure you use the left titty. Don't let her son use that left titty. Only used to And you know what's crazy? There are a lot of like old wives' tales, especially like in the South. They're like very superstitious. So I could see some some woman being very much like, if you let your child nurse off of the right titty of an enslaved woman, they'll be like weak or unhealthy. Like some crazy shit will happen. <laughs> you know, like I could see that being like a thing. This reminds me of like the red table talk for like Jada Pinkett's like show. <laughs> and like one of those things, grandmother to mother to daughter, that gets passed <laughs> down. Like only use your slave's left titty. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so my last question for you is the use of wet nursing gave white women a sense of power. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like nursing babies can like make boobs like not so perky. Is that correct or not? It is. But in terms of like the direct question that I asked you. Oh, but like power wise, that's one of the reasons. So like. One of the reasons, aesthetically, it keeps your boobs perky to mm-hmm. not have to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like you have to do the hard labor of having my infant suckle you. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to drain my life forces and energy 
to have to deal with latching or have to just actually, you know, milk. And the whole essence, because wet nursing was still, while it had a lot to do with breastfeeding, there was still more that went into the role of these women that was, you know, actually doing the hard motherhood duties of mm-hmm. taking care of a baby. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the plantation uh, mother could just do the cute shit and take pictures. Yeah, so actually, there's a book. It's called They Were Her Property, written by Stephanie E. Jones Rogers. And in the book, she's basically looking at the relationship between white women and slavery. And she cites one woman named Jane Pettigrew, says she had a distaste for breastfeeding her own infants because it made her quote unquote, a slave to her children. And that is why she had a wet nurse. Wow. Yeah. So this idea in terms of power, because so in in wrapping kind of all of this up, the 1800s, the 1700s, the 1600s, really anything prior to today and even today, it's a little dodgy, but it's not been great for women. You know, like living under the man has not really been great for anyone. So if you're if you if you know anything about like kick the dog syndrome and so it's it's essentially this idea that you 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 might be in a position, you might be in a position where someone has power over you and you can't really do anything about it. So what do you do? You take that aggression out on someone you do have power over. So like if you're a boss at a company and you're berating your employee because you think he's trash, he doesn't do his job, he's this, he's that, that employee then goes home because he can't yell at his boss, he goes home and yells and berates at his wife. And then the wife yells and berates the child. And then the child yells and kicks the dog. So this Mm. idea of you might be in situations where you are powerless. And any time you have control, you take it. And sometimes you take it and go to the extremes with it. So this idea that... Um, white women were kind of innocent bystanders in terms of slavery is a lie that needs to really it there needs to be more clarity around that and I think we'll continue to get to that but in terms of breastfeeding being able to have control over someone's body over how they care for their child Forcing them to put the care of another child above their own is very traumatizing and it's very impactful. So all of those things will lead to a distaste. So when I opened and mentioned that comment about the Ebony article and the the slavery crap, that's where that idea comes from. Like Mm. breastfeeding, even if it is a good thing and even if I know in my mind that it's healthy for my baby, I might have PTSD or 
granted, not using this vocabulary of at the time for people that are like post the Civil War, people that decided to stop breastfeeding maybe in the early 1900s. But this idea of like, I'm, I was used and so I'm going to take back my body and mm-hmm. I'm not going to allow it to be used in that way. And just the negative feelings that end up being associated with something that's actually really important and it helps start your child off, you know, with more than had they been given cow's milk and dirty ass water. And, you know, so we talk about how this had an effect, you know, obviously then, but how the legacy of this goes on. And one thing that I really want to talk about is, you know, how the legacy of these things really carries on a while. Legacy Mm -hmm. is something that people talk about, but you know, when you think about really ambitious people, they, you know, they look about their death as their legacy. But when you think about how traditions carry on, traditions are just legacies. And mm-hmm. viewpoints of the world and culture is largely still just legacy. And so this legacy of having slaves do the nursing of babies and a lot of the hard caretaking aspects of motherhood Mm -hmm. so that these uh, white slave owner women could you know have it easier in life they carried on so there was actually some interesting articles that were produced even in how wet nursing worked as an economy in the er the late 19th century and Mm -hmm. in the early 20th century to where you know these women who still had money even if slavery was over they still didn't want to nurse their babies. Mm-hmm. They would, these um, formula companies, you know, they would make these different formulas, but they were finding out that babies were dying or getting sick or more malnourished mm-hmm. because the formula just did not have in it what breast milk did. And so even in the you know, 1890s and the 1920s, you know, these poor black women and even poor white women were employed to be these wet nurses. And what I thought was really interesting, Savannah, you know, how they used to have the left titty policy back (laughs) in slavery times. These wet nurses in the 1910s and 1920s, they would actually sign up for these jobs to go and, you know, wet nurse, you know, Susan down the street's baby, Mm -hmm. but they'd have to leave their baby Mm -hmm. in a daycare Mm -hmm. where their baby got fed formula. Mm -hmm. The same formula that these, you know, more affluent or middle-class women Mm -hmm. did not want to give their babies because it was reducing the health of their children. So they were like, look, you can come and breastfeed our baby. We'll pay you to do that, but you can't bring your baby. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I read was staunchly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, enforced like not bringing their baby in there. Mm -hmm. And so you had these women who were very vulnerable because the American economy wasn't friendly for people Mm post-slavery and they're next of kin down. So a lot of these women found themselves having to take these type of jobs and having to leave their children with the same formula that wasn't working. And this leads down a longer legacy of, you know, A, formula companies advertising largely to poor women making it very available mm-hmm. for um, you know poor women and especially towards black women to give them this formula and this culture and legacy of you know 
black women not breastfeeding their babies because what you mentioned earlier, oh, that's slavery shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am of the firm belief that most things are connected. It's not, they're not just these random isolated things. Like the fact that there are less black women breastfeeding their babies isn't just a coincidence. Like just this random thing where random black women that don't know each other, that don't have any type of communication are just randomly deciding not to breastfeed their kids, you know? Because it is with women that aren't connected, they're, they're not talking amongst themselves saying x y and z but they're having this shared experience and it stems from a multitude of things and we aren't taught about wet nurses in school at all and to me you know, you don't have to go into the, and granted, that is kind of maybe tied up into the fact that schools don't like to teach about sex ed. They just like to talk about anatomy because that could be something that's tied into like a health class and a history class and a biology and anatomy class, honestly. Um, but it's it's really unreal. You think about slavery and it being sp- like niggas in a field picking cotton really and like light-skinned niggas in the house doing god knows what like that's kind of what most people's images are and it wasn't just that you know there people are enslaved enjoying all types of manual physical labor all the way to breastfeeding was exploited like nurturing your child or having the ability to nurture your child now is exploited and and used for someone else's gain to keep their titties intact to not have to deal with the latching or the screaming baby someone else can someone else can do that shit for me i got i got a girl in the back right now that's pregnant she's about to come up here and deal with this once this baby comes out of me but that's wild and so to that point actually this was something that happened in slavery and in the 20th century. So, like, mm-hmm. just want to let y'all know we are only 20 years out of the 20th century. Like, most of our listeners were born in the 20th century. In the 20th century, even, there would be women who, when they were expecting to have a child, they were pregnant. In slavery times, they would literally wait until one of their slaves was pregnant to go get pregnant Mm -hmm. so that they could have their child Mm -hmm. at the same time as their slave Mm -hmm. so that their slave's lactation was at the perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And then this also happened in the 20th century where women would go and talk to their doctors. Like the doctors of the 1910s, 20s, 30s, and 40s were the ones who went and sought out wet nurses. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who figured out, oh, well, this woman's this available actually, to nurse her child. And this is really important, you know? Like, this idea that wet nursing is, like, this dirty thing, in terms of, like, the health community is, like, no, this is the preferred, this is us as the medical community. We're saying this is the preferred, now, this is the preferred method of how you should nurture your growing infant. And yet so, you got formula companies mm-hmm. all up in these hospitals. Here, here, take all this formula. 
And I think, so I've never given birth and I've never been in the hospital after someone does. So I'm not really sure. I've never like gone through a lactation training or to, I don't, I don't know what else to call that. Uh, how to, I've never like talked to anyone, but one of the common things that I found was not having lactation specialists that were really mm, patient and giving with the information and with questions. And so it's almost kind of like, you know what? It looks like you're having a hard time. Maybe you should just switch to formula. Maybe breastfeeding isn't for you. And there's no like additional encouragement or like, you know, you got this. You just have to keep trying. And I'm not going to speak for every single lactation specialist. Like, I don't know, y'all. I hope that there are most of y'all like doing your job and really being there as a support system. But when you know that there are black women that are breastfeeding less and that is one of the reasons you do have to stop and think well not everyone can be doing their job properly then can they in any sector there's always some fucking slackers Mm -hmm. who don't care or have their biases and prejudices and do not follow things thoroughly and of course you're going to find that even in the 21st century with lactation Mm -hmm. specialists because you know breastfeeding a child is not one of those things that's just or raising a baby is not one of those things that's genetically just passed down. I mean, to some extent it actually is, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that's taught from, you know, women's mothers or the women who have that motherly mentor role when in, when a woman's ready to have a child. And, you know, if that's not taught or your lactation specialist doesn't push that or, you know, help you with understanding, you know, sometimes babies don't latch the way because of don't latch because of how you're trying to get them to do it and there's Mm -hmm. different techniques i don't know the ins and outs of that but this is these are things i've read about Mm -hmm. you know there's different ways you can coach a new mom to be able to get the baby to latch on and if you have somebody who's not you know is vested in your interest you know doesn't have a vested interest in you being able to do that right they might lead you the other way and one thing that i had read about formula now you know go in listeners go check this out Read this for yourself, and if I'm wrong, correct me. But I did read that there has been instances where formula caused the baby to not actually go ahead and respond to breast milk after. Mm-hmm. To where once you got on formula, you she was like, off. crack. Like, yeah. my nigga, you didn't get off of that shit. Mm-hmm. So once your baby was on formula, you wasn't getting off of that. And, um, it, and you know, if that, if that was often the case, well, that's problematic because, you know, well, nowadays formula is better but yeah. breast milk from a healthy mother is still optimal. Ideal. Yeah. And so I think, you know, in, in closing and kind of wrapping this up, my mother breastfed my brother and I. And she was always been very proud of that and like letting us know. And she did that because she knew how important it was. And I think that the tide is changing. I think there are more and more women on whole, like on a whole that are breastfeeding. And now, thankfully, because of the Internet, because of Instagram, there are collectives of black women that are really trying to push this information out and trying to push connections out to, you know, hopefully have more and more black women breastfeeding their their babies. So because August is Breastfeeding Awareness Month, because we're talking about the white gaze for all these aspects. I just, I thought it was really important to highlight that because even something that 
you know, women are going to continue to have babies. Black women are going to continue to have babies in this country. And it can be difficult for a variety of reasons and understanding and knowing that there is a really negative and traumatic history surrounding that and how that could have shaped a lot of people's attitudes is important to notate so oh yeah and on that note so one thing that we talked about before one thing that we talked about before we even started recording was this aspect of a lot of you know policy that's going about and politicians talking about oh you shouldn't breastfeed in public and you know this issue of some of them being very very make sure you have the baby pro-life people but on the same point oh, well, I don't want to see you breastfeeding your baby, even though that's, like, one of the most essential components to, like, mm-hmm. you know, bringing up a baby. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was one of the things that was interesting that we chatted about earlier on this aspect of people actually having even issue with women breastfeeding in public, which is, like, literally an essential thing, and it's, you know, covered most of the time. Like, they don't want to have their boobs out in public. Mm-hmm. It's covered, and it's like, this is literally normal. Yeah. There's a lot of aspects of this just that just logic is lost. (laughs) Um, It just it's like it is like it just doesn't make any sense. It's like y'all really just pull shit out of the air like. okay, you got it because. okay. (laughs) like logic. So closing this out, I want you to, you know. Be aware of what net wet nursing is. I know it doesn't sound very obvious when you think about the two words wet nurse, like wet nurse, like literally, like I said earlier, was it like my like my nurse just got sprayed on by the water fountain or something? Like what happened? So, you know, that was a term for women who were breastfeeding other women's babies and, you know, also often doing a lot of the other motherly hardcore duties of raising a new baby. And, you know, do some more research in that. So we'll definitely have some notes in there for you so you know check out the uh post you know we'll have some show notes for you contact us send us a dm if you want to get more information about it and you know it's something that um still happens in certain parts of the world uh where there's those power struggles between you know women of uh more affluence and poor women who are need to make some money and so these types of exploitation still continue into the 21st century So that's our piece on wet nursing. I am still nursing this beer. Um, I'm still trying to get through it. It's the Big Bad Baptist, and like the bottle's big. I'm uh, like a two thirds through. What'd you say? I think it's a pint. See, I'm not as well versed in like beerology, so I actually, and I also am not real versed in like. Um, liquid measurements. I'm good. No, no, no. I'm good at measurements, but oh, I'm not good at liquid measurements. measurements. Okay. I'm in solid measurements. I tell yeah. you, I can look at four plates on a barbell and tell you it's four ten without even thinking about it. But you right. send me, you know, twenty ounces, and I'm like, I don't, I can't even visualize I'm twenty having ounces. Having a hard time. Yeah, that's funny. Or that's ounces, milliliters, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to uh, stop nursing this drink. I'm trying to get through it. So. We hope that you are having a great day. Um, you learned something new today. So make sure you share this podcast with a friend, The Black Codes. We are going to be dropping a new episode coming up about slave auctions and how that also affects the white gaze. 
So stay tuned for that. Uh, make sure you check out the episodes, send them to a friend, check out our Instagram page, share it, and you know, make sure you like this. Give us five stars so that we can you know, take advantage of those algorithms, people. Um, thanks for listening, and we will be back on with you soon for another episode of The Black Codes. Bye.